study the Grand Weaver been wonderful? How many of you have purchased the book, The Grand Weaver? Oh, good. I hope if you haven't had a chance, you can download it on Kindle um, or you can, you know, you can get a used copy. But I really suggest that you put this book in your library and you use it and go back and reread it maybe once a year. There are certain things that I'll just go back. Kim and I have certain books that we've just over the years referred to and talk about together. And this is one of those books. It's just a really great book on who we are in Christ. And uh, this morning I was thinking of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You could really, in place of, of God, say, for the grand weaver loved the world so much. For the grand weaver loved you so much. And this morning is, um, we've been praying, you know, and every Bible study is different. But this morning, I have a sense that the Lord wants to break down perceived ideas about who we are. And what I mean by perceived ideas is they're not reality, okay? The, a perceived idea is maybe as a child, somebody teased you and labeled you with a nickname, and maybe you didn't realize, but the rest of your life, you filtered everything through that. I remember Nicole, when she was in first grade, she had to wear glasses, and they were thick glasses. They were really, really thick. Well, you know how tiny she is, right? So she went to school, and she came home the first day, and she was crying, crying. Somebody called me four eyes. And so we sat down and talked, and I asked her, I said, did anybody like your glasses? And we counted like 11 people told her they liked her glasses, but what was the one person she remembered, right? Because our human nature is always to go to the lowest denominator about who we are, okay? And so we, as followers of Christ, as daughters of the king, we have to battle with the word of God against perceived ideas that are not reality, even when, in fact, you've had people like a parent call you things like you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything, or a spouse say you're lazy, or, you know, um, I, I was talking with a young girl a few months ago, and she had gone on a date through one of those dating services, and when she met the guy, he said, I'm really disappointed because you're not as pretty as your picture. He told her that. So, we have these perceived ideas that are not true, and we believe them as if they're reality, and they're not reality. The only reality ha we have right here is this, okay? So, when we open our scripture today to Psalms 139, which is what we're going to do, the truth is that's who you are, not your perceived unrealistic view. You are not to compare yourself with the front cover of a magazine. I can tell you it's not real. Uh, I share this story often when I speak to women about my husband was sitting on the plane next to a photographer that had taken a picture of Cindy Crawford. He was a, a model photographer, and he was doing the front cover of a major, major magazine. And 
my husband was flying. I think he had been in New York, and he was coming back. And the photographer said it would take him the whole flight just to go through and Photoshop that picture. And he said, by the time I get done, Cindy Crawford won't even recognize herself. You see, because the devil, all that sensuality, all of that, you need to look like this, that is not from God. Okay? So when you look at a magazine, ladies, and you see a magazine, and you try to compare yourself to that, you are not comparing yourself to this. You're comparing yourself to the world's view. And I felt, especially this morning, young wives, you cause your husband so much just ache in his heart when he tries to compliment you and you can't accept it because you think you have to look like this. You think you have to be like this. But God says, this is our standard, okay? So the grand weaver loved us so much that he gave his only son that if we believe in him, we will have everlasting life, not just here, not just happiness here, but eternity is going to be so amazing. We can't even, Paul said, he, Paul went to the heavens and he was forbidden to talk about it because it was so amazing. But every once in a while we see through scripture where he goes, I feel so torn. I want to go there, but I need to be here because see, he had seen in the opening chapter of the Grand Weaver, Dr. Uh, Ravi talks about his father-in-law, who was a very godly man, who had uh, been very sick. And just a few moments before he took his last breath, he cried out, It's amazing! It's amazing! He was seeing heaven. Heaven is amazing. So that's where we know all of this gunk that we deal with <laughs> It's going to be gone. But in the meantime, we want a little bit of heaven here because I believe in a little bit of heaven here on earth because God has told us that that's what it's to be like. Okay. So we're going to start this morning. Yesterday when I was doing my devotions, I was as I was praying, I stopped because I felt the Lord was just praying through me. And I'm going to pray a prayer that I prayed yesterday, and I want you to pray it with me from you. Not going, oh, that's a nice prayer that Carol prayed because she is a daughter of the king. No, you're a daughter of the king. You are beautiful. You are loved by God. So don't go, oh, thank you, Lord. Yes, that's a great prayer for Pastor Carol. No. This is your prayer. So would you pray it along with me as you bow your head? Dear Grand Weaver, thank you so much that you have chosen me to be your daughter. Thank you that your thoughts towards me are precious and there are so many. Thank you for your love. I can't truly understand the depths of this love, but I know that it's a love that will never leave me, a love that will never abandon me, a love that will never betray me, and a love that will never fool me. It's a sure love built on the truth of who you are. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to make your thoughts my thoughts. I ask you to think through me until your ideas become my ideas. And I invite you to teach me and to guide me into all truth. And Lord, as King David prayed, I pray the same prayer that my eyes would be open to see the wonderful truths in your law. Amen. Amen. 
So we've opened Psalms mm -hmm. 139. Understanding who we are in Christ, it means everything to our quality of life because our core beliefs translate into our actions. Our core beliefs translate into how we live out our life. You can say you believe something, but you can't fool us. You can say you believe something, but you can't fool your kids. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can never fool your kids. They see right through you. Everything we believe trickles down to the way we translate it into what we do. And that's why grasping the truth about Psalms 139 is so important. In Dr. Zachariah's book, he begins the very first part. And I encourage you when you have the book, read everything. Read the prologue, the epilogue. He writes, every word he writes is so amazing. He is an amazing philosopher. And I just love, he has many books. I encourage you, he's an apologetist. But he writes about going in India, where he is from, and they have these grand weavers, which is where he received the title for his book. And they make bridal attire. Well, you know, we wear white, which is great. It's beautiful. It represents purity. But in India, they wear these amazing woven cloths, hand-woven cloths that are just beautiful, bright colors, just very vibrant. And he, would, he said there's a, a, a grand weaver there where he went, and the man um, designs these amazing, very well-known man that designs these amazing garments for the brides. And he said when he went in, his son was there, and his son was just holding the shuttles of thread. You know, if you've seen anybody weave, they have these shuttles of thread. And all he would do is tell his son, hand me this thread, hand me this. And all this son had to do was hand him the thread. Because, see, the grand weaver, he's the one that had in mind what the outcome was. Just like these beautiful pictures that we have this morning. I put the word out through Gia. I'd like to have some art this morning by some of the artists in our church. And uh, this happens to be a picture done by Gia's grandfather from Italy. It's beautiful. And some of her portraits that she had, this is an amazing, um, I think it must be some kind of a, a actual like a pencil um, art piece. And this is a piece by Heidi Hunt. It's a photo uh, that she did. She loves photography. If you have her on Facebook, she's always posting sunsets. And this is amazing because you can see the little boy standing still. And then the marigold is going around. And then these pictures are by Rebecca Latos. Did you know Rebecca is an artist? And I love her. She uh, Sometimes I have been the recipient of hand-painted uh, greeting cards and birthday cards that I still keep. They're just so amazing. I actually framed one. And um, I love this one of the children, Rebecca. Um, these are so, these are their masterpieces. We have one here from Gabby that she did on a Muslim piece of Muslim. And the one thing about all these pieces of work, these art pieces, is that they had to have a picture in their mind prior to putting together the masterpiece. I sit here looking at Lisa, who's an amazing artist. I don't know if you've ever seen Lisa's work. She does stamps. I mean, she's amazing. She's kind of famous, but nobody. She doesn't brag about it. But um, just amazing, her amazing artwork that she does. And I actually have some of hers, too. I love keeping these amazing because these women I love, and I see God's handiwork through them. But in all of these pieces of art, 
the artist is the only one that knew exactly what the outcome was going to be. And if when Rebecca was painting her picture of the children, if her, her children came in and said, well, I think you should make it this way or that way, and they started adding their own rendition of the picture, it wouldn't have been that picture because that's the picture that Rebecca had in mind. Okay, so there's a principle there. That when we allow the Lord to be our grand weaver, he knows all the pieces. He knows all the threads. He brings them all together. And all we have to do is go, oh, you want this thread? Oh, okay, take this thread. And we see the threads of our life often, the blunders. We see those as ugly. And sometimes the blunders, the failures, are the most beautiful strands in the piece of art. Sometimes those places that seem so devastated and so messed up, and we talked about the very first week from mass, from mess to masterpiece, that sometimes in the piece of art is actually the point of the most beauty that you will see in that work of art. I've been to a lot of museums around the world, and I can tell you, oh my goodness, some of the artwork it's amazing. In the Louvre, some of the artwork, you just stand there. You can't even, you don't want to move. It's so beautiful. Um, some of the Monets, they're so, you just think, how could a human do that? Well, that is nothing compared to you because you are more beautiful. We are more beautiful to God than any of the, anybody's earthly masterpieces. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his poema. His poetry in the Greek, created for his good pleasure. And see, when we allow perceived ideas that are not realistic, they're like these little mini walls that stand right in front of us. And the whole world's moving all around us, right? And we have all these amazing spiritual DNA that the Lord's given us, and he created in each one of us when he thought of us because we were not a hiccup with God. He didn't hiccup one day and you were born. You were not a hiccup. You were a design. You were purposed. God thought about you. And when we allow these perceived ideas, they're like walls. The whole world's moving around us and these walls just keep us so tethered down without giving us permission to move forward. And the only person that can remove the perceived walls of unbelief, of doubt, of insecurity, it's us. We're the only people that can knock down the walls and say, thanks be to God who's given us the victory. It tells us in Romans that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So we see this beautiful masterpiece that God's making. And someday it'll all be known. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, Now we see through a glass darkly. Do you ever feel like that? You wake up in the morning, you're like, Dear Lord, who am I? What am I doing? Where am I going? I know I'm going to crash today. Um, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. When we get to heaven, we're going to know everybody, and we're going to be known because God really is the one that knows who we are. And it's through his word that we know who we are. There's no other way to know who we are except through this book. 
and understanding who God is and his love for us and, and us as his creation. And when we get to heaven, though, I'll, I'll know everybody. You'll know right away who Paul is, and you'll know who John is. You'll know Mary, and you'll know Martha. You'll know Lazarus, because we'll, know, we'll be known as we are known. So I want us to open um, our Bibles today again, as I'd asked, to Psalms 139. And we're going to read verses 13 through 18 out loud together, because I want you to hear this. I want you to just, as we say this, I want you to be praying, Holy Spirit, make your thoughts my thoughts so I really can understand this, so I can really grasp these truths today. So Psalms 139. So there's three things that we have learned about the Grand Weaver and how our life is to be when we understand these three truths. So the first truth is this. The design is beautiful. The design is beautiful. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a designer. So the design is beautiful. Num point number two, the promise is sure. The promise is sure. And point three, the end result is profound. The end result is profound. And in parentheses, you can put here and now and eternity. So the end result is profound, here and now and eternally. Okay, so let's read Psalms 139 together out loud. And you can read it off the screens. It's the New King James. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Now just think about this. You're conceived. If you've ever watched, you know, progression of baby being born, isn't it amazing? You know, the baby being developed in the womb. You know, if you've had the joy of being pregnant as many times as I was. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> you know, you feel, you feel that little baby being formed. And God's saying, you formed me. We're, you formed me in my mother's womb. You covered me. Where do you think that skin came from? Why do you think God breaks his heart every time an abortion takes place? Because that's his creation. And if you had an abortion, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. When you bring it to the cross, you are forgiven. But life is of highest premium to God. Because he formed us. He covers us. He puts that skin on you, that sin you. He makes all those cells come together. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Ah, I will praise you, Lord. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every creak, every wrinkle. My friend Julie Dawson, a couple years ago, we were together, and she goes, do you have crepe paper arms? Because, you know, once you hit 50 and, well, now I'm closer to the 60 end of it, but... She said, do you have crepe paper arms? And I'm like, I do, but I didn't ever know till you said something. <laughs> I go, don't tell me these things. <laughs> I'm oblivious. <laughs> Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Oh, Lord, let our soul know well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret 
and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. So we are a work of art that took preparation and planning. Nine months seems like a long time when you're pregnant. But to God, that was exactly how many days you needed to be just right, to be just the creation that he intended. We were birthed from an idea in God's mind. Ladies, you were birthed from an idea in God's mind. I don't know what has happened from point A and the hyphen in between in your life. But the stuff that has torn you down and has given you self-doubt, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. And that's why he has come. It says that he has translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Isn't it frustrating when you see people that have one foot in the kingdom of darkness and they keep leaving all the lies, believing the lies of the enemy and you just want to go slap them silly and say, stop it, snap out of it. Because God has such a great plan for us. You know, we often hear that comment, a face only a mother could love. And that really, it reflects more fact than cynicism. God loves us, and uh, we're one of his offspring. We're children of God, you know. And uh, our face, it's unique because he put all that DNA, DNA in there for a purpose. But we also have God's DNA, too, when we become followers of Christ. And when we finally meet him, oh, my goodness. We're going to know him as we're, we're going to be known. We're going to just go, wow, this is what this is all about, because it's going to be so profound. Now, so we know that the design is beautiful. Then secondly, we know the promise is sure. The promise ensure, is sure. All the promises in Christ are yes and amen. It tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Could you read that together with me? For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So I'm going to give you seven promises. It says six, but there was a little blip when I was emailing it to get it printed. Um, and we'll fix that towards the end. But there's actually seven. So here we go. And you have uh, just the scripture there. And I want you to underline the promise as I read it. When you hear a promise, just underline the promise there. So John 10, 27 through 28 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. That's one promise. He gives us eternal life. And they will never perish. That's a great promise. They have that new um, genetically transposed fruit now that's supposed to never get bruises in it. <laughs> yeah. They said it's safe for you. I don't think so. I don't know. Lord, help my trees in my yard grow fast. If not, I'm going to go back to my old house that we sold last summer, and I'm going to get in there at night, and I'm going to pick all the fruit and vegetables. 
counting it. I already did ask my other neighbor on the other side of the house that comes to the church. I said, could you get me some avocados when they're asleep? Anyway, that. I said, really, I just want them from the side. Oh, this is being taped. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I said, just take them from the side that's hanging over on your yard. <laughs> I know. Oh, boy. Um, no one can snatch them away from me. I like that promise. He's giving us eternal life. We're not going to perish. Those that believe him will not perish. And nobody can snatch us away. We can walk away, but nobody can snatch us away. Number two. This is Romans 10, 8 through 10. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart is the word of faith which we pray, preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will be what? Uh, will not be, put, will be, not be put to shame. So we have two promises here. We'll be saved. That's his promise. If we put our faith in him, we will be saved and we will not be put to shame. Shame is a huge w issue for women and children, too. Don't shame your children. Don't belittle your children. The Bible says don't provoke them to wrath. Uh, today, when we were driving in my little Brooklyn, she's sick. She says um, something about a mistake was made. And she said, uh, sometimes we make mistakes on purpose. And I said, well, the true definition of a mistake is actually you just, it's an accident. And sometimes accidents just happen and we can't help help it. You know, um, I love the way my husband's family raised them as, I mean, if you know his mom and dad, they're just such amazing people. And I learned so much from them about uh, unconditional love. You know, and, and all the grandkids would be over and they'd spill a glass of milk and there would never be a harsh word. There'd never be, oh, why did you do that? You're so clumsy. It was always, oh. Don't worry about it. That was just a mistake. We can clean that up in a split second. You know, so that's really God's heart, that we don't have shame. And it's important as parents that they see God's love through us by not allowing our children to be put to shame. We might be frustrated because, yeah, I had one kid that made messes in their food every day. They still say that I disciplined them when they really didn't. But they had such a track record of just really just being, as they got older, just sloppy. And um, it's frustrating. But, and I don't know why I'm saying this, because I didn't say this last night. Moms, don't put your kids to shame. Because God doesn't put us to shame. That's one of his promises. Number three, Philippians 1.6. And I love this in the New Living Translation. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So what's the promise there? What is it? He'll continue his. Aren't you glad? He doesn't give up on us. We give up on ourselves. And he's like, come on, get up. Let's get going. Number four, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. That's the promise. His power, oh, bless you. His power works best in weakness. His grace, his power works in us. When we're weak, he is strong. Number five, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
No temptation has overtaken you except as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So what's the promise there? He'll not allow you to be tempted, right, beyond what you are able to bear. Sometimes, I don't know. I said last night, I said, you know, if I have ice cream in my freezer, it's like, I'm just going to go see if it's still there. I remember the chocolate syrup. Oh, some walnuts look good. You know where that battle starts is in the grocery store. Um, number six, this is where you have to add a little a little number right there at 1 Corinthians 15. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the promise is there. He gives us the victory. He gives us the victory. And this is referring to death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? He gives us a victory over death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The minute we take our last breath, kaboom, we open our eyes and we see Jesus. Last night, many of you know Virginia Yagovich. She's, how old is Virginia? 80 something? And she used to work for a hotline, prayer hotline for many years at, at Crystal Cathedral. And we were talking afterwards. She said, can I tell you a story? She said, many years ago, there was a Christian doctor that had spoke at Crystal Cathedral. And he had made rounds at Chalk's Hospital while he was there. I don't know if he was a regular there or what. But he had given out the cards to the 24-hour hotline there. So a couple days later, she got a call. And it was a, a little girl named Faye. And when Virginia answered the phone, she said, what does it feel like to die? And Virginia said, sweetheart, what do you mean? What is your sound so young? She says, well, I'm 15 and I'm dying. And uh, so Virginia began talking to her. Virginia just wept. She said, I told her how that when she closed her eyes, that when she woke up, she would see Jesus and she would feel well again and she would feel no more pain or no more suffering and he would love her, and she would feel, and she just, the way she described heaven, I'm like, I want to go there right now, Virginia. And this little girl, she was able to pray with her as she was taking her last breath. While Why this little girl was alone, I don't know. Maybe she was in the hospital and people out of the room, how she got a phone, I don't know. And Virginia just wept, and she said, I just will never forget that call. And I said, that girl will never forget you were there in her last moments. And I said, and when you walk into heaven, that little girl, Faye, is going to find you and she's going to give you the biggest hug ever. She's going to say, Virginia, yes, you are right. It is just like you said. I closed my eyes and I woke up and I was in the presence of Jesus because we have the victory over death. He gives us a victory, not just over death. He gives us victory in life. How miserable would we be if all we had to do is think about heaven and how wonderful it was and how miserable we are here. But he wants us to have heaven on earth here. That's why he gave us this roadmap. And number seven, which says six, but put a little seven there. Romans 8, 28. Let's read this together. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. What works together for good? What does all mean? 
absolute all, everything, all things work together for good. Those are those strands that you go, oh, man, that first marriage was a doozy. <laughs> woo <laughs> And when you see the masterpiece that God has for you, you're going to see that and who you've become as a result of the woundedness of that marriage. Oh, that bout with cancer, I thought it was going to do me in. And you're going to see that strand. That kid that broke my heart by their rebellion, oh, that's going to be such a beautiful strand in that weave, that, that masterpiece that God's weaving for you. You see, he has it all planned out. The grand weaver's got it all planned out. All things work together. And just quickly, the last point, the end result is profound. Of course, here on earth, Jeremiah 29, 11, we know his plans are good for us. They're not of evil that we would have a hope and a future for the here and now and for eternity. And I just want to read two scriptures about eternity. Isaiah 35, 10, which is a likeness of heaven because the new Jerusalem, Jerusalem is, is like heaven. It is a type of heaven. And uh, he says in Isaiah 35, 10, those who have been transformed, a ransom by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Ah. I can't wait till that moment. And I want us to read Revelations 21, verses 4 through 7 in the New Living Testament together. Read this with me. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. Woohoo! It is going to be a pate. I just can't wait. I don't know where you're going to be, but I'm going to be somewhere with a grand piano with a big chandelier, and I'm going to be playing, and Emily's going to be dancing in the streets up there, and Teresa, and we're going to have an amazing, amazing, amazing eternity. We're going to sit down, and we're going to talk, and we'll have a women's ministries reunion, and we'll be all happy up there, and we'll be all like, man, remember that? Oh. I don't even want to think about it because I don't want to ever remember some of those hard times. But you know what? It says just for a brief moment, these these trials of this earth for the joy, the joy, it says that was set before Jesus, the joy. Ladies, whatever you're facing today in light of eternity, it's just a little glimmer. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be amazing. So say, take some time today in your groups and enjoy your prayer times and focus on praying. The best thing you do together is pray for each other. Talking's good and developing relationships is good, but prayer's the best. Okay, love you guys. We'll see you on Wednesday nights the next uh, three weeks. Easter's coming up, Good Friday. 
And if you want to help stuff eggs, that's great. I am actually going to bow out because last week Rosie was doing it when we were meeting and I kept eating the candy. So I'm afraid if I go there, I might do. But don't use that as your excuse. You probably have more discipline than I do. (laughs) 